We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast coming at you uh on a wednesday um so we are midway through the week leading up to the first nick playoff game in eight years um and uh very very fun episode for you today featuring someone that uh, if you are on uh, twitter you have certainly interacted uh, with this person or if you're actually on my halftime Zooms, you've interacted with this person. Colin Loring um, joins me to talk a little Knicks-Hawks and uh, some, a couple of other topics, but mostly Knicks-Hawks. And we have a lot of fun, and that uh, that conversation is coming up soon. Again, Colin uh, does all of the social media for the Strickland and uh, writes for the Strickland, and he's just uh, generally uh, a lot of fun, and uh, we have a fun conversation. But first, two things we have to quickly get out of the way. The first is we have to offer congratulations to uh, so a little bit of backstory. During the summertime, um, I here at Nick's Film School, uh, with the help of the, the whole team here, did a little fundraiser. We raised some money for Higher Heights for America. And at the end of uh, we I brought a bunch of callers on. And at the end of each little interview, I asked each person what total are the Knicks going to win? How many games are the Knicks going to win this season? And I got a a bevy of answers and all of them were very, very wrong because we, none of us knew how the Knicks were going to do this season in terms of them being so good, except one person, one person. And if we go again, we thought it was going to be 82 games. It was actually 72 games. So we're going on percentage here. One person said, I think the Knicks are going to win 50 games. And the reason that 
this person said this was because she asked me, what is good? What's a good win total? And I said 50. And she said, okay, I think the Knicks going to win 50. And that person is my mom who joins us briefly now here on the Knicks Film School podcast. So, hi, mom. How are you? Hello. Welcome. Um, so, you, uh, so you, you don't remember predicting 50 wins, do you? I have a, a, a vague image of yes that I did. And um, I don't know what made me say the 50. I didn't really. Well, you asked me. You much, said, but yes. Yeah, you said. Yeah. Because you didn't. You obviously I threw you for. I actually, when we recorded, right. I don't even think you knew that you were going to be on a podcast. <laughs> no, I remember that day well. Yeah, you I, you, I, you had just made a donation. And then I said, oh, you're on a podcast now. Um, so anyway. And then you asked me, what's a good win total? And yeah, that's how we arrived at 50. Um, but you have actually followed the Knicks for most of this year because you've been coming to my halftime Zooms. And so I only have one question for you. It's, a, it's an opinion question. Okay. So there's no right answer. It is, have you enjoyed watching the Knicks this season? Oh, my God. Immensely. <laughs> Immensely. I really, I, you know what? I mean, it, it, well, it brought me back to when you were growing up. So that was, I think, most fun of all, you know, just reliving all the anxiety and all the fun and all the, uh, just all the excitement that you used to have, right, when you were growing up. But to see them come back and, uh, you know, now I'm reading the letters that your fans have written to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But there's so many people and, geographically how they're spread all over and just that they've been following the Knicks for all these years. It's not just me. Amazing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of other crazy people out there who this, who this team means entirely too much to, and they are all over the world. And it's a, it is a wonderful fan base is is one of a kind. Um, We do have one other bit of news. Um, well, I don't want to say unfortunate, but um, the uh, the NBA Coaches Association announced their winner for Coach of the Year um, uh, earlier on Tuesday. And, and unfortunately, Tom Thibodeau did not win. Monty Williams of the Suns won. So we congratulate Monty, but we um, we respectfully disagree with the result uh, because we think. Right. Uh, so, again, I'll turn to you, Mom. Um, you think Tom Thibodeau should have won Coach of the Year by the NBA coaches? Yes. Okay. I do. I think he's done an outstanding job. And you don't mind that he occasionally yells very loudly on the sidelines, right? No. Okay. See? Shows his passion. Exactly. And the pa- pa- we like the passion. The passion is a beautiful thing. We like the passion. We love the passion here. Okay. That's it. I'm not going to subject you to any more of this torture. Uh, thank you for... for- Thank you for coming on and uh, also for uh, having me in the first place and for obviously making me a Nick fan. Um, well, thank you for having me as a guest and for <laughs> being a mom. Uh, and on that note, uh, here's uh, my conversation with Colin Lord. Joining me now, making his Nick's Film School podcast debut. My God, how has it taken? How many episodes do we have? 300? I think I saw this morning when I was listening, because uh, I do occasionally listen to the show. 338 podcasts to date. 338 podcasts. Close to 72 post-game pods. I have known 
this person since before episode one, because we he was one of the earliest when I used to banter. I was like, who? Why is this person paying attention to me? What? Who am I? And then uh, and then we got to be friends over the the last several years. And um, now here he is doing social for the Strickland. He uh, does uh, live tweets, games for the Strickland. He writes for the Strickland. He's the star of the halftime zooms for Nick's film school uh, newsletter subscribers. He's kind of a, kind of a big deal. Um, just putting that out there. Colin Loring. Colin, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic, John. Uh, I think you owed me that after setting me up with the, with the Atlanta Hawks uh, commentator guy before this. I'm like, okay, yeah, John finally wants me to have me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure he's just going to line up uh, a curveball or a softball, you know, before the no, 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 the uh, the Atlanta Hawks broadcaster. We have a back to back with uh, Walt Frazier and Patrick Ewing coming up uh, tomorrow. So, oh uh, Jesus, yeah, sound like the icing in the middle. I'm okay with that. It's in the icing. The icing is the best part. I mean, we know that. That's what you ask. I'm with it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, I so I was looking forward to this. Not that I don't appreciate talking to uh, literal Hall of Famers, um, which is always fun. But uh, sometimes on the pod, even, you know, I, can I just say Jeremy Cohen has gotten so big that I need to, like, prepare to talk to Jeremy Cohen now. It's crazy. Um, it's it's really it's gone to his head. I needed an episode where I could just come in and talk to, you know, one of my friends. So thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime you need that sweet relief. You know, I'm right here <laughs> and you provide you're providing it already. Um, so here we are. Um, it is uh, Tuesday. Um, the Knicks play a playoff game. We we should say we now know is on Sunday. I'm waiting to find out the exact time. Um, Where are they playing that at, John? I think they are playing that in Madison Square Garden. That's what I heard. Wow. I, yeah, wow. that's what my sources tell me. That is fantastic. Isn't that wild? I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic, too. Um, I feel like. So, you know, the week got this season's been such a world one. Um, I, I felt like we there was all of the nerves coming into the final three games where it's like, we're not going to get three in a row. They're going to fuck up somewhere here. And then they got past it in the way that they got past it, which was not without very tense moments and frustrating moments and the whole thing. And now to kind of mentally get from the end of the season to like, okay, we got a playoff matchup against a team that we all feel like, okay, the Knicks are Knicks win this series. But then it's like, Oh, wait a minute. This is a really good team. We're playing I just want to check in with you where mentally, where are you at right now? On Tuesday, the week before the first Knicks playoff game in eight years. I haven't decided. Um, I think it's the best way to put it. I feel like I kind of go through these different different phases, different mindsets throughout the day. Uh, I feel good. I think it's probably the best way to put it broadly uh, because it's hard to feel bad about what's happening. Uh, it's yeah. hard to hard to be too upset, you know, with the hand that we're dealt. Uh, again, it's uh, who said that we're playing on house money. They always say, is it Jeremy that says we're playing on house money? Somebody oh, says that. I've cert- I think I've used that line. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. Or your yeah. A greater known counterpart. Um, we are playing with house money. So what are you going to do? Um, I feel it's, and it's how upset can you be about going into the playoffs against somebody that you swept throughout the season? I don't think that, you know, that inspires uh, too much caution. Uh, if anything, cautious optimism. Uh, I am. That's 
of all the terms that could be used to describe the series as we're heading into it, I think cautiously optimistic is the, is, is the term I would use. Um, although I've been digging into some of the, the numbers over the last few days. And let me tell you, there's some scary stuff out there in terms of what the, um, the, the Hawks, some of their starters have done against us, um, which gets into some other issues about our starting lineup and, and perhaps, you know, some, some adjustments that could be. Are made there issues that. with the starting lineup though? Well, I mean, this would be the first right that I've heard of it. If you want. Yeah, I mean, this would be the first that I've heard of it. Obviously. Um, so uh, I'm going to spoil uh, tomorrow's newsletter if I get into this, but that's not okay, that you've ever done that before. I've on never any done that before in my podcast life. or anything. Yeah, no, first first time. Um, so the Knicks have uh, obviously played the Hawks three times this season. Um, they have played um, more than the normal allotted time because uh, there, there were some overtime minutes there. Um, do you want to guess? I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to make it tough for you. Please Can I make it tough for you. Yeah. Okay. There is a difference of a certain number of points between how much the Knicks have outscored Atlanta when Alfred Payton is off the court. You with me so far? And, yeah. and how many points they have been outscored by when Alfred Payton is on the the court. I'm not going to ask you for exact numbers. I'm just going to ask you for the difference in the points. Again, between how many points they have outscored Atlanta by when Peyton is off the court and how many points they have been outscored uh, by by Atlanta when Peyton is on the court. Can I broad stroke it and just say it's double digits? Um, can you, you you might want to pick it up a little bit. Go up really? a little bit more. You wow. might want to go up a little bit more. It is that bad. Uh, let's 25. So when the Knicks, um, have, uh, had Peyton on the court, they've been outscored by Atlanta, um, by 21 points. When Peyton has been off the court, they have outscored Atlanta by 47 points for a difference of 68 points. Wow. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, and again, we don't want to turn this into the Alfred Payton discussion, but um, it, it just it, it, it well, Andrew 68. Said, that was the that, number. That's 68. That would be 68 points. Um, so, you know, and, and again, I, 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 I bring this up because I was look. I've, I've been spending a few days trying to dig into the series and thinking about it from every angle. And um, it, it's crazy how much this really comes comes back to when the Knicks um, have mixed up their lineups and it's quickly on the floor and Rose on the floor, they've, they've, they, you know, they've been really good. And then at other times, you know, the, the Hawks starting lineups, especially have run roughshod uh, over, over the Knicks and, and certainly are scoring at will. So that's why I guess when we talk about confidence, it's like you're back to basics. I feel good. I still feel good because the Knicks have shown the ability to do really well against the team. But at the same time, I am like, Man, um, there, there's, there is the potential here for, um, you know, for, for some difficulty, especially because the Hawks are like, you know, they kind of have their whole team now and Bogey's there and Hunter's there. And it's like, you know, it's, I feel like it's not your simplest first round series. You know what I mean? No, it's very complex. I, again, this isn't anything that I think. Did you see that was the uh, somebody put out the predictions? I'm assuming it was ESPN. And it was everybody had like Knicks and six or seven. Okay. And there were like two people that had Hawks and six or seven. Okay. I think it's a lot more close than that. 
Oh, I think it's closer. No. By a lot of means. Yeah. I think that, and especially if you bring like Elf into discussion, I think the Knicks and the Hawks go toe to toe if Elf isn't on the floor, but it's how much is he going to play? And, you know, what are the, what is the 68 points going to look like when it's through the <laughs> lens of a, of a playoff series? Uh, I am, st- I mean, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I think that the Knicks' best basketball is still a, maybe even just half a peg up above the Hawks' best basketball. And I think we've seen that this season. And I think that's why three ugly games has resulted in three ugly Knicks wins. Um, I think the only other thing I would caution is we have only seen the Knicks off of an absence of so many days, you know, once, maybe twice this season. That's it. Yeah. And Randall in particular, I know when we came back from the all-star break, he had a, a complete shit game, if not, you know, multiple games. Out, well, he said the it jump. after the, he said it after the game. He's like, when I come off the all-star break, I traditionally have a terrible game. Right. And he had one of his worst games. So probably one of his two or three worst games. Of the season. And you figure the all-star break is what? Maybe it's a week at max. I don't well, think it's and even he, that. And, and he, he was played. in it and he, he was, was in it. Yeah, I'm sorry. See, I'm, I'm even just like regressing back to. Yeah, this. no, but no, no, but it's a great point. And it's it's a legitimate worry, um, especially since, again, Going back, just looking at the games and how they played out, the Knicks have won in a lot of different ways this year. And Alfred, and uh, I can't get Elf off the brain. Um, let's talk about a, a, a unfortunate situation. Um, Julius Randle has been at the center of so much good that they have done. But at the same time, I feel like they have won in a lot of different ways. Um, and they've won with Julius having not so great games. Um, they've won with Julius just having like okay games or like decent games. And they've obviously won with Julius having great games. He's had great games against the Hawks. And, and maybe, you know, one was 42. I think the other was 40. The first one was a little bit less, but like everything that they did on offense was predicated off of his ability to just get a bucket whenever he wanted against his team. And so, you know, you're talking about a lot of pressure on a guy who this is still the first year he's been this type of player, which I don't know. Does that worry you at all? I can't tell if it worries me. I don't I honestly don't have an answer. It doesn't because I don't think that it's the playoffs. I'm not sure that the pressure. I mean, how much more weight is on his shoulders as opposed to the regular season, right? Like in New York. Yeah, in and New York about this, about what and, it is to play. And you're coming off the year that he just had where a lot of people, including myself, were trying to package him with second round picks for, you know, whatever the hell, whatever we could get. Yeah, it's. I don't know if that's the thing that's going to break him. And that's and that's the well, thing I'm not saying he's going to be broken. I'm just I'm no, but for him to snap in and, and, and lose them a playoff series, at least by pressure ways. Right. Like, yeah, I don't think that the playoff stage is something that's going to interfere with his game just based on the the things that he's had to go through in New York and the way that he's been able to sustain his play largely, you know, outside of a couple just really, really bad games this season. Um, I think that gives me the confidence and in, in the contrasting side, though, I would argue the Knicks rely on Randall to get buckets. Imagine like Atlanta, right? And I haven't watched Atlanta aside from the three games that, we played them this season. You know, I caught some highlights here and there. The Hawks need Trey Young to be Trey Young for every minute that he's on the floor. I would argue that the pressure is greater on him than it is Randall at this point, just because when he can't keep the offense in flow, when he's having bad games, I think it weighs them down more. 
I would argue that in the in those games that they've fared worse than the Knicks have in Randall's so, bad games, I guess. That's a fantastic point because um, here's – God, I wish it always didn't come back to Elf. Um, Trey Young has been able to get his against Alfred Payton. Uh, this suffice to say, Knicks. yeah, no, I mean, the number, the numbers bear it out. The defensive rating difference between when Elf's on the court and when he's not on the court is, is stark. Um, and like, look, I'm not saying they've done a great job on Trey Young, even, you know, uh, with, with Emmanuel quickly or Derek Rose or whoever else they tried to put on him. He's a tough, you know, he's a tough matchup. But in terms of like, um, be forcing the issue against Trey Young and making him uncomfortable on the other end of the of the court. I actually don't feel like the Knicks have yet done a great job of doing that. And I feel like when you're talking about the pressure that's on Trey Young to produce for Atlanta on offense, I feel like, you know, we talk about Tom Thibodeau so much and how he has done a great job with his team. Um, you know, he's he's raised his game in the playoffs as well. Um, I wonder how much that they will adjust to target Trey Young on, on when they're on offense to then try to make his life that much more difficult, maybe get him into foul trouble, whatever the case may be. And then the other part of it is the, the Capella piece, which is like, okay, even if Trey Young isn't maybe hitting threes at his usual, well, although he has a, hadn't, hit threes that great this year, but like, let's say the floater's not dropping. Let's say they put some, let's say they put Reggie Bullock on him. Let's say they go outside the box. Like he still has that lob to Capella. I just think, and then there's the bogey piece. Who's like another ball handler, another shooter, another guy that could beat you. And that's why when I think about Atlanta on offense, I start to get a little scared, but I also then think back, like the Knicks have some counters. It's just, it's a really complicated matchup. I really think it's tit for tat. I think in almost every way, um, particularly with Randall, right? Like when you look at Randall, you see a guy, there's a lot of similar things that they can get from John Collins on that end, right? Like he can space the floor and he can hit threes and he's done so at least semi-consistently like against New York. Like he's had a pair of threes, all three games, I'm pretty sure against us this year. Like he can do almost all of it aside from the create aspect. It's that black hole that we keep referring to. Yeah. And it's how much goes into that. Uh, But do we really think that that's Tibbs like, is that his MO? Like, I'm trying to think to his last like playoff series, right? Like, is he going to target Trey Young or is he going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? We're talking about a guy that started off for Peyton 63 out of 63 games. Like, they've won the three games. And as you said, I don't think that they've gone out in those games and been like, you know, wearing signs around their chest that say, we're coming for you, you know? Yeah, no, it's, no. I, I could, So then let's let's transition to this. What do you think the Knicks need to do to affirmatively win this series, because if I'm if I'm just looking about like okay, the Knicks are advancing to the second round. What did we just see? I think we saw a great series from Julius Randle, um, but I also think we the I guess that's on offense. That's the most important thing. And then on defense, um, I feel like they just they it, they can't win this series if they let Clint Capella go absolutely balls to the wall and the last two games he's played against us. He's averaged 20 points and 20 rebounds, you know, a few more one and one few more. Uh, yeah. He's, he's only averaging 17 rebounds in the series. Like, it's not like, you know, the game before that he was doing, yeah, okay no, he, he was as well. And that was, that was with Mitch present. So, you know, but shout the, out to Clint Capella again. Like you said in your last podcast, uh, did you have most improved 
You had Capella on your most improved I had Cap- ballot, I had no, borderline. No, well, no, I think borderline. I had him in my most improved discussion, but yeah. I also had him third on He's my He's had a great season. If people aren't awesome. talking about that enough. Um, and that's, but that's it. But one, 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 one really big thing. That said, when the when the Hawks have tried to put Capella on Randall, hasn't worked. Like, it's it's been okay. It's been better than, like, Collins and, like, Bogey and these other guys. But, like, that hasn't been, like, the panacea. So, I think – I really do think if – again, we're talking about how do the Knicks win this series. Um, I, I do think it, it, if they just give Julius Randle the ball and as long as he's, like, up for the challenge, I, I think they're going to have the advantage because I trust Tibbs' ability to shut down that pick and roll on the other end than I do, like, that their ability to shut down Randle. No, absolutely. And they haven't yet. And that's that's the one thing that we can confidently say. And the other thing that I like about going back and looking at the three games that we played, Randall's had his fair share of shots at the charity stripe. Like yeah. he's gotten the calls that we have so often bitched and moaned and groaned about him not getting in these games that matter, right? Like he's, I think he had 12 or more free throws in two. Of, the first game, I think he only had eight. But again, that's the seventh or eighth game of the season. Like it doesn't necessarily speak to what we're about to see. Like I agree with that. Yeah. They have not been able to contain Randall. So as much as Capella can be dominant and I mean, shout out to Mitchell Robinson. We miss you. You 275 pound whale. <laughs> uh, I don't think that that's a thing that's going to make or break, right? Like you talk about Atlanta as an offensive team. Let's see New York go out and hit their threes. Like they have in the series with Atlanta this year. I think there was one game they had seven for 21, but before that they hit 13, 14, maybe even 15 threes in each of those games. I, like I have it, I have it right here. They're, you're, you're spot on. There were yeah. seven for 21 in the first game. They were 17 for 34. So that's 50% in the second game. Um, and then in the final, oh my God, in the final game, they were 19 for 35 for 54% from three is what the Knicks shot in that final game. Yeah. God bless. Uh, yeah. But, but, let's does, just, but let's does that just, worry you? Because again, if we're, okay, so maybe that's a transition. How, how do the Knicks lose this series? They've been I think it's so by re- going completely by MIA on the three point line, and that's it. Like if if Randall's going to come out and he's going to go one for seven from three in a game, you know, he's going to get his buckets the other ways. But when you're the team engine, like the team is riding off of almost what he's doing, and if he's not hitting from three, and then Reggie's having a bad night, like we don't have guys that are going to step up and go four for four from deep. Like quickly's had his moments, and he's played decently against the Hawks for the most part. Like, and even with Rose, like, cause that's the one jumper on this team that I don't buy is Derek Rose's from behind the arc. Uh, I love it. It's been so awesome. And he gets a fist pump from me every fucking time. Hush, he hits hush you. Hush but you. That is the one jumper I do not buy on this team. And I do not want him putting those shots up when we need him most. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to say you live and die by the three point line in this series, but I promise you there will be a correlation depending upon the outcome of the series on how they performed at the three-point line. Well, your recollection is good on both of these things because Randall uh, did get to the line in the second two games 12 and 13 times. Right. Um, And in a game against Trey Young, like you love to see that, especially going into a playoff series with Trey Young, who's going to get his fair share of foul calls. I'm sure he was in the same tier as far as double-digit free throw attempts. Like, yeah, But here's the thing. I trust Randall to get those calls on the playoffs more than I do Trey Young to get the calls that he often does during the regular season in, in the postseason. In terms of uh, Randall's threes, um, the first game, was he was actually cold. He was um, – hold on, I had it right here. Um, he was 0 for – he was actually 0 for 5. Um, in yeah. the first game from three, but in the second two games, to your point, seven for 13 and then six for eight 
in that yeah. final game, which Not was, beautiful. yeah. But that was, again, you're talking about, and we, you know, spoke about this uh, on the last podcast, um, how this is kind of a different Hawks team under this new head coach. And like, you know, would they have won that game if they, he had gone four for eight from deep as opposed to six for eight from deep? Yeah. Like, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really scary stuff. I, I'm cur- so let put Randall aside. We don't need to talk about Elf anymore. Is there another player that you have your eye on in this series? Um, I just thought of the, the guy who I wonder if you're going to say. I can't imagine you're going to say him, but I'll I'll hold it to myself um, as like the bellwether uh, for the Knicks or the guy who you think could be the swing piece for the Knicks in this series. But you can't throw that at me because now that I'm trying to filter through my mind, like what is well, I mean, you, that I'm going to say? You do Taj. love Taj Gibson. That's all. I, I love Taj and Taj is not the guy for this series. I don't <laughs> like eight years ago, seven years ago, give me Taj, like at least more so than what we've got now against a guy like Clint Capella. Uh, I don't, besides Joyce Randall, I don't, I mean, obviously RJ Barrett, but who is it? The uh, Berman reported, couple weeks ago, he did the piece and he was like, oh, I've talked to scouts about the series. And they were like, Reggie Bullock's going to be the X factor. I don't even think that's true. And I love Bullock. Like, and he's yeah. a great defender, but I think what he does is a greater part of what the team is doing lesser than what he's doing as an individual. Like, I don't think that Reggie's going to make or break the series. Like he's going to do his thing and he's going to, Fingers crossed, hit his threes again. As that's been the theme of you know potentially what we're looking out for. Can I can um, I can I interject there for that? Because I actually do. No, you can't. I think you've. <laughs> I think you've. <laughs> no, please, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think I think you've stumbled upon something interesting for a couple of reasons. One, um, again, just going back and watching the tape, um, I've I've noticed they often hide uh, Trey Young on Reggie Bullock. On, on some of these defensive possessions um, when when New York has the ball. They, they've also hit him on Nerland's Noel a fair amount, which is kind of crazy, but like you also get it when you've watched Nerland's Noel on offense this year. Um, but, I mean, they're trying to do everything they can. I, give Nate McMillan credit and, and even Lloyd Pierce before him for trying to He's a 15-year... Right, fifteen years he's been a head coach. In the oh, he's NBA. been a head coach forever, and he's right. always he this always does a good yeah. job. No, so, this is going to be two head coaches that are tenured. Like, let's clarify. Yes. So, but when Trey Young's on on Reggie Bullock, like, um, you know, is Reggie just like shooting over him? Does he? Is it? Is it? You know, him taking him off the dribble, and then on the other end of the floor, um, something that we really haven't seen a lot, which I'm curious if Tibbs will go to, and again, we really haven't seen Reggie Bullock guard point guards. I don't have, we seen it really at all this year. I feel like we haven't. He's usually, they usually just put him on the best wing. Um, Or if there's two good wings, they'll put him on one and Barrett on the other. Like the notion of put trying Bullock on young for a period of time is another thing that's interesting to me Um, as opposed to, and again, we, who the hell knows what the point guard situation is going to be. But like, I think Reggie Bullock actually is a really interesting piece for the series. No, and as he should be, I mean, it's, when you look at the roster and point guard omitted, because I'm not just, I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, Barrett, we're all over it. We're all Barrett, over Norell, it. Barrett, Noel, Julius. And then you've got Reggie. And it's, I think you've said it and you may have hit it on the head. And if you did it, then man, I've just been riding somebody else's coattails <laughs> in that. I, Reggie Bullock is not a starter. I don't think. 
I mean, in a on a great world, team, he, he, on a well, great unless team. you got, he's probably your fifth starter on a, on a great team. So obviously all eyes are going to go to him though. Right. When you have Randall Barrett and yeah. God forbid, Mr. Balloon hands Noel himself, like it'll be, a, and I like the Trey thing. That would be, I wonder too, because Herter, and I'm a big Kevin Herter guy. Let me I like preface. Kevin Herter. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Kevin Herter. Uh, and he's been good those, on offense um, or the offensive numbers. Let me rephrase that. The offensive numbers for Atlanta with Herter in these games has been very good. Yes. Yeah. I, I could probably speak to that. Yeah. Without even looking at it. I trust you. Uh, I'm speaking from Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out Terps, by the way. <laughs> uh, former Terp, obviously. But he hasn't hit from three in the three games that we played. Maybe he said four threes, five threes. Yeah, it hasn't like, been a lot. You're right. So now is that, and I, because I haven't looked at any of the tape and this isn't anything that's obviously just going to sit at the forefront of my mind. Is that something that Reggie's been doing or is it a I, team no, thing? I think that would determine. I think he's just missed some. Um, and that's the other thing is like the Hawks, you know, it, it, again, in the three games against us, the Hawks from three, uh, in the last game, they were – I have everything right here. Um, in the last game, they hit 35%. So, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, okay. Fine. You know, whatever, not great. The previous game before that, they hit 33% against us. And then the game before that, they hit 32% against us. Um, and it's just like, okay, so none of those are particularly special uh, three-point performances. But, uh, you know, I, I think – and yet and yet, you look at the offensive rating that the Hawks have had with some of these lineups, and it's crazy. So it's basically like they're scoring a lot against us without really hitting the three, which speaks to how dangerous they are. Here's the other thing I want to hit on before we we talk about how the Knicks lose this series, which I feel like we it, we deserve. Old. We should we should give a few minutes. Emmanuel quickly has been absolutely massive in all three games. His net rating on court net rating in I think it's like seventy minutes, seventy one minutes, something like that. Um, is it's like a it's like a globe trotters versus Washington generals sort of number. It's like plus 39 per hundred possessions. It's obscene. Um, he's been awesome over the, towards the tail end of the season. I feel like quickly, not that he's been bad, but he's been 
uneven. And like he was kind of on this meteoric, you know, level for a while. And then he was hurt for a bit. And then since he's come back, he's like, don't get me wrong. He's had some big shots. Um, But we saw him literally take over games um, over the course of especially the middle of the season. He hasn't done that of late. And, And yet, you know, against Atlanta, his performances have really helped catapult them to some of these wins. The, like, do you? How do you go into a series if you're like Tom Thibodeau and be like, "Well, our rookie led us to these wins earlier in the year." Like, I don't know, but at the same time, maybe you rely more on Rose. Like, is that a huge area of concern for you? Because it's kind of a huge area of concern for me. I mean, it has to be uh, because I don't. I don't know if anybody has a grip on what Tom thinks of quickly. Maybe it's just in game. We've seen him like practice some really weird behaviors with quickly. I think like he's, throughout the season, he's pulled him. He's pulled him quickly. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. I thought we were like well past this. Uh, no, no, but, and I think, what does that look like when it's the playoffs and the season is on the line? Like, yeah. again, that's the one thing that I haven't done. And I would challenge everybody to do like, I need to go back and look at Thibodeau's last time in the playoffs. And I need to look at what is his, Rotations looked like, and, and did he change things, and how he changed things? Like, I think you rides these guys that are going. I would well. hope, right? Yeah, like, no, if absolutely. it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, there's never been a better personification of the idea. Like, but he's done that with quickly this season. When quickly's going well, he's oh, I then he don't. leaves him out there. Yeah, yeah. And when and when Alfred Payton doesn't have five turnovers in the first quarter, he leaves him in. Like we've seen mm-hmm. that. Like, um, and it's funny. Like I'm glad you said that because quickly seriously has not. Like what? What is the last game where we were like on our feet, pants it's, off, going fucking crazy for this kid? Like <laughs> pants off. It has been I a, like that. There, maybe it's just me. It's <laughs> no, been a like while. It. It's down. been a while. And um, God, if he gets one in the playoffs, because I think his last, it wasn't that kind of game, but I bet his last game against the Hawks was probably strong. And I'm thinking that was what maybe a month ago. Yeah, I know his um, so his last game against the Hawks, he played 30 minutes almost. He was 29 53. He scored 20 points. Yeah, um, that is the last game that quickly has played nearly that many minutes since then. Would you look at that? Since then, the most minutes he's played was against Denver. He scored 18 points, but a lot of that was in I don't want to say garbage time, but it was kind uh, of in garbage time. Yeah. Other than that, he hasn't played more than 22. And other than that Denver game, he hasn't scored more than um, 13 points. So you're absolutely right. The Atlanta game um, was the last time that quickly had kind of that sort of game. He was seven for 11 from the field. He was four of six from three. He had four assists. Um, He was the, uh, it was a, a, by the way, a plus 29 in that game. I'm not a huge fan always of of game single game minus, but like, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, indicative of what we saw. And like you just said, like, is it possible quickly? I think quickly is going to need to have multiple massive games for them to win this series. Um, because, again, they're not where they are this season in the four spot without him doing what he's done. And I just don't know. It's like, OK, you got Randall. RJ is going to do what RJ is going to do, although he's struggled. So that's the. What? This is my part where I interject and I push back. Please, because you you had one. Now I get one. And Andrew, sure Andrew's keeping tally. I'm pretty. I saw him. He has like a note. He has a pencil. He has a yeah. pencil. We talk about quickly. He's not had these moments where he's taken over games, and that has occurred simultaneously in the most important stretch of the season where they clinched their top four seed. Like, 
I don't think that it has to be that way for us to win the series. That's just, and this is, what are we really talking about at this point? Right. But like, I do have to push back on that. Like, I don't think they need quickly to be Steph Curry light, you know, to get through this. Like, I think you're over crediting the Hawks. Here's no, we're talking about what number guys he on the roster right now. I'm talking about walking into game one on Sunday. What number guys he on the roster? I think they have six players that really matter. And let me, let me, I want to send that with a caveat because a center is not among those six players for me. And the reason that there's no center in those six players for me is because I think Taj and Noel, not that they're interchangeable, but that like you give me 35 minutes of one, you give me 35 minutes of the other. There's going to be a, maybe a five to 10% difference. How big is the disparity going to be? Yeah, that's fair. It's not going to be you. That's fair. Yeah. So then, okay. You put them over to the side and then you give me Randall, you give me RJ you give me Rose, Bullock, Burks, quickly. Those are my those are my six guys, and I think right. those are the guys that that really matter. Um, and like, how many of those guys per game do you need to be really good to win? And I and I, I actually almost want to put Reggie Bullock over to the side because Reggie Bullock doesn't really have bad games anymore. He has like great games and he has good games. He doesn't have like terrible games. So, you know, Reggie's not getting the Thibodeau like you're pulled, you know, after eight minutes or whatever treatment. No, no, no. no. And there's there's a reason for that. Like even when he's looked bad, it's because he's doing things on the other end that are very small and in between. And it goes to their scheme and it's why they've got a top defense. And since since the All-Star break, I think he's like 12th in the league in minutes per game. It's he's one of Tibbs guys. He needs him. So then it's like, okay. We don't need Rose and Burks to both have great games. And in fact, I don't think Rose and Burks have had a great game yet at the same in the same game yet this season. We but we need one of them to be really yeah, good. There's one. Burks and it what a brain fart. I don't know what the hell to make of him going into this. What do you mean? His season has been so weird. He's had way- games where he's won them games and then he's right. had games where he my- hasn't really made an impact. Yeah. They have three six men, essentially. I mean, you call it what it is. At, yeah. at certain stretches throughout the season, they've had a different guy playing six-man predominantly. Yes. It's been it's been quickly during that stretch. It's been Rose when he was putting up 23, 24, 25, and back Absolutely, to back to back. Yes. And it's been Burks, but more sparingly in smaller pockets throughout the year. And he's playing well now, and he looks like he's completely fine after his you know COVID-related uh, absence. So here's what I'm going to say. I think – Again, to recap, they need Randall to be great. I don't know that they could win a game. I number mean, if, one, number one, they, and number Rand- two. Yes, if Randall's not great, then like basically the entire rest of the team needs to be great for them to to win a game. So we're assuming Randall's great, and we just, but we we know we could get four great games of from Randall in a seven game series. So then it goes down to. Reggie and and RJ and look RJ's been not great inside the two inside the three point arc for uh, you know about a month and a half now it is what it is um, he could still help them in a lot of other ways I, I'm confident he's going to be like there's a baseline of competence with RJ same thing with Reggie and then you get to those other three guys and that's why I feel it's like we need great games from two of those other three to be able to win. And then you're, you know, and then you talk about, okay, so now you add up the totals and it's like, you've had, you know, really good games from what, four or five guys. And that should be enough against this team. And that's what, how I think they win, how they lose. We talked about Randall, like Randall's just not up to, up to snuff. Um, 
I'm trying to think what 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 else are we sitting here talking about in two weeks if the Knicks have been eliminated? Like, what's the talking point? Is Herder um, is Herder smoking Barrett? Uh, something that we would be talking about is, because I think that are, are the Hawks just smoking the Knicks from deep? Yeah, that's probably it, right? Yeah, no, and yeah, again to to uh, isolate it to to Herder and Barrett, I guess. Yeah, probably speaks to the greater the greater truth in that. Yeah, Atlanta can hit the threes and. You know, Seth Partnow is going to have a bottle of champagne ready in a cabinet <laughs> and he's going to break it open. Um, no, that's that's a good call. I Yeah, no, but I like like you could tell me that Bogey is better than Barrett in this series and the Knicks still win the series. That's fine. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm not sure you could tell me that Herder's better than Barrett in this series and the Knicks win the series. I think. It, yeah. No, that's yeah, and they, and they don't win the series. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's it. Yeah, um, I guess it just goes back to how much do you trust the last two games that they played? Uh, you know, you mean the last two games of the season? Yeah. Ugh. No, no, not the last two games of the season. The last two games against the Hawks. Oh, the last two games against the Hawks. Because and um, that's my thing. Like, I'm getting ready to to talk to you. Like, and I'm looking at these games, and it's this isn't. We're not talking about a game that they're going into, and they, you know, they played somebody once, you know, and, and yeah, no, yeah. and it's scheduled, whatever. Like they've played this team three times. The first time I'm omitting, somewhat graciously, because it wasn't New York's best performance out of the three, and simultaneously we had Mitch, um, and and Atlanta was. Atlanta was playing for their old head coach, and it was like I, I, again, I was it's a different regime. Yeah, it was a different, it was a different sort of game. Yeah, you know, and DeAndre Hunter, how much do we factor him into this? Well, gosh, I, yeah, that's no, he's an X factor. Yeah. No, weird. no, he's an, he's an X factor because he's only played one one game. Yeah, um, but uh, the kid can play, and he particularly has some snuff on defense, and that's. So they tried him on Randall a decent amount in that in the first, first game. game. In the yeah. first game, and like, look, it, I'm not. It, it's not like anybody shut down Randall. I mean, you, you, you're. He was. I feel like he's still going to be fine if you put um, DeAndre Hunter on him. But just like in general, where is Hunter? Um, you know, he was there. Whatever you want to say, second best player, third best player before he went down with an injury, and to now reinject him. Um, but you know, uh, by the same token, um, when you make it's it kind of goes to the Mitch thing, right? With if Mitch is healthy, do you put him in? They've been, the Hawks have kind of found this groove over the last however many games. Now Hunter's back in. Like how how much do you try to reinject him and like risk upsetting the apple cart as far as the chemistry? Because like, and that's my question. Know. Yeah. He's an it's, easy cog though, because he's. I mean, is if they just want to make him a three and D guy, then that's pretty easy, right? Right. I mean, it's it's somewhat Frankish, you know, and <laughs> it's similar to Frank actually. Yeah, we we've had the conversation, but uh, I think it just becomes a matter of when is he put in and and, and what does he do. Well, that's uh, maybe actually a good a good place for us to uh, start to finish up. So you mentioned his name. We have not said his name until now. He's a handsome young man. Does he still have the the, bra- the braids? I thought he took the braids out. No, he doesn't. Oh, that's yeah, that's unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. Um, if you, what odds would someone need to give you? Let me think. Let me make this good. Finals MVP. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, so someone is like, okay, Frank Nilakina plays averages, averages. Eight minutes a game in this series. 
what odds would someone need to give you to bet on that? Would you need, would, could, would you bet on it even money? Would you need like five to I one? I don't know what odds I would need. What I would tell you is that that circumstance only comes to light if Knicks start this series like 0 and 2. There, it's just it's just not happening. He doesn't get the eight minutes. You don't think so? No. I, I, don't, actually, know if, I don't know if I bet on it. Yeah, I'm not a rich man. Let me, <laughs> let me preface with that. I mean, who amongst us? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually anti-gambling. Let me preface with that. So, yeah, I'm not going to gamble. Wow. On this. I did not. I did not foresee that coming. Um, I would need eh, eight minutes a game. It depends on if you if you if it was like if he didn't enter a game with that game, like would he need to then play sixteen minutes the next right. game? Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think if that was the case, I would need like six to one or better. If it was just eight minutes a game in the games that he entered and I'm not factoring in the games he didn't enter, I'd probably bet on it for like with like three to one odds, maybe even two and a half to one. He's certainly trended upward like for Frank standards over the last you know couple weeks. I feel well, like like he's had his moments like and he's hit some threes and he's Thibodeau has definitely put him out there earlier and earlier as the last few months like toned down you don't think that he does that for no good reason like i i mean i just like look at what's the obvious answer here the obvious answer is if you're only going to play alfred payton for five or six minutes at the start of each half and and the 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 purpose of El- but but uh, see but this actually where is where it gets complicated and this is why some people are like just put in Frank in the starting lineup this is why I don't think no it's that's that that's not how it works I don't think it's that simple either no. because the whole the whole reason and again um I actually again stealing from tomorrow's from today's newsletter um what what team in the NBA do you think Alfred Payton has taken more shot attempts against than any other in the league this year no crap. <laughs> Atlanta, 30 oh, shit. And that's because Tom <laughs> Thibodeau is like, get this fucking guy in foul trouble and take him to the rim and and get him out of the game. Um, and Alfred Payton has responded by hitting 14 of those 39 attempts because he sucks. Now, if you can't just put in, sorry, Andrew, um, you can't just put in Frank Nilakina and say, go do the same thing because we know Frank is wonderful for many reasons driving the lane and, and getting guys in foul trouble is not one of them. So that's why I think it becomes a little bit more complicated because then it's like, okay, do you, do you put in Derek Rose to do that? Do you put in Alec Burks to do that? Um, and then, you know, does, does Frank then take the place of one of those guys? I think in it the has second to be. unit. Yeah. And that, but, but it's, but again, these are all questions that we have to ask and we don't have good answers because we haven't seen this stuff during the regular season, which is Unfortunate. I think that's going to, and that's going to be something that I'm going to bitch about, particularly when it comes to is you have the opportunity to do it. And I get it like in a season, like the one that we've had. Well, let's see what happens. I'm not bitching now, but I think to pull Alfred from the starting lineup in the middle of the regular season, and this is probably the best way that I can put it in this moment right now, two beers and three shots of whatever deep is to (laughs) do that thing, right? Where, it's like a white tablecloth restaurant and the okay. guy yanks the white tablecloth and then all the China is still standing up. Wait, are you saying you could do that right now? No, I'm saying, but to do that is to literally pull Alfred and then expect that everything else would remain the same. And we've got the oh, data, okay. right? So you're saying got, that's not realistic. Okay. It's just not realistic. Yeah. It's you can't just pull him 
No. And then insert A or insert B. Like, well, there's a reason why an underachieving team like the New York Knicks are where they are now. And it's got something to do with cohesion. And in, in some dark, dark hole in the world, there's a reason why they've played so at least good enough to get where they are now with Elford on the floor, like well, at least at the beginning of the season. And let me say this here. Here's and, and we'll finish up on this. I think there's some, I think there's some credence to that theory in this sense. Again, is this a, a reason for continuing to play the man? No, not necessarily. Of which there but, are none. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, but, but hold on. I guess call this a devil's advocate point. If you want, if you put Rose into the into, I I don't I don't think he would put. The more I thought about it, I don't think he would put Burks into the starting five because I just don't think he necessarily trusts him as like a point guard to run the show. Maybe he does, but I think that's the only option. And here's here's why: if you put Rose into the starting five, I think it does because Rose is an older you know older gentleman. I think it takes away some of those Rose quickly backup minutes, and I don't think. I think Tibbs wants to have a safe. I think he wants to feel safe. I think he wants to be in the, what is it? The Snuggie. I think he wants to be in the Snuggie for 48 minutes, not 38 minutes, not 42 minutes. I think he wants to be in the Snuggie for 48 minutes. And he knows right now he's in the Snuggie for 48 minutes because even with Elf out there at the start of the first and the start of the third, he knows he has his other guys. He knows he has Randall. He knows he has RJ. He knows he has Reggie. And then he knows because he doesn't have to put, um, Rose in the starting lineup, he's also going to have Rose and quickly and Burks in the second unit. And Taj. Obviously. Obviously, Taj. Um, to make him feel, you know, warm and safe. And then he gets to, to go back to Randall. So I think it really does give him a sense of comfort throughout the entire game. Whereas if you put Rose in the starting five, there are going to be those, whether it's three or four or five minutes in a game, six minutes, seven, whatever it is where you don't maybe don't have Randall, you don't have Rose. And then, you know, you're, you're looking for offense where maybe it's, it's not to be found, which is, which is why I'm going to go back to what I said to start this little thing off. I actually do think <laughs> the thing that makes the most sense is to maybe put Burks into that starting five. I come for the same Rose, vein. And that's why, game. yeah, that's why I wanted to argue with you is because yeah. at, at the moment I wasn't completely, you know, capturing what you were saying. It has to be Burks. I think before Frank, before Rose, it's before not going to be quickly. Frank. We know it's not going to be Frank. Well, again, just we have a pool of participants, you know, like, yeah, it has to be Burks if, if it's going to happen. Otherwise, I would rather than play it out the way that it is. Yes or no? I, I mean, God, would he do it? Would he do it? I don't know. I, I don't trust know Burks to handle the ball. Like you talk about the guy being the point guard and, and, and doing the show thing and it's it's the playoffs and whatever. If he could you if he started out game one, no, he's not going to do that. But just could you imagine? Yeah, if starting line, when the Knicks sent out their tweet, starting five for it was Alec Burks replaced Velvet Payne. I would, I'd get the, I get mean, the. I've said I'll get the tattoo of of Tibbs' face on my per, personage if they win the finals. I'd go out and I wouldn't even watch the game. I'd go out and get the tattoo right then and there because that that would to me speak to wow, this guy's not fucking around. He knows exactly what he needs to do. And he's doing it. So yeah, again, it, I just yeah, it's just not happening. What a beautiful and thing! Listen. That was a nice ten seconds of serenity that you just put me in, and I was, was able imagining to, me getting a tattoo. I, well, I was at the tattoo shop, obviously. Yeah, and I was yeah, 
No. How many tattoos? We're, we're done now. So how many how many tattoos you got? Double digits. Oh wow. Uh, maybe twelve. Oh, I'm jealous. One of them is not the KFS logo. I need to preface. Ooh, that's that. what I should get. Maybe that's the next one that I'll get. I wonder yeah. if my wife would be okay with that. That would look great under your eye, like a little teardrop, but it's like the little. <laughs> I just throw it out there. Um, where would I get the, the KFS logo? I have uh, I have a, a, a where is it? I have a Taurus here because right. I'm, I'm a Taurus. So maybe I get it. Another. Okay. So I, that makes a lot of sense then. So you're a there Taurus. You so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before, before I throw it to you to let people know where they hold on, hold on. Yeah. I was about to throw it to you, Andrew. Well, so for the podcast listeners, you said I have a Taurus here. Oh, sorry. Um, My chest. Oh, my, there we go. Sorry about that. Video and audio medium. There you go. Thank you, Andrew. Producer extraordinaire. Of course. Anything you want to toss in before I send it to, to, uh, Colin to let us know. Well, no, Colin, it's good to, I, I put on the Mitchell and Ness hat that I had because it is like looking in a mirror currently um, between the glasses and the hat and the blue and the Knicks. And, you know, uh, we're doing the Spider-Man meme at the moment. Um, I'm okay with that. So I just, Colin, you run most of the Strickland social, or at least are you run the Strickland Twitter account? I was going to say, yeah, the the best kept secret in all of NBA Twitter is that I actually am Alex Wolf and I'm running the Strickland. (laughs) Has anyone ever seen Alex Wolf and you in the same room? No, that is yet to, yeah, that has never happened. And there's a reason for that. I'll leave it be. Cracking some codes here. Yeah, it's interesting. Illuminati. Um, no, I do do the Strickland's uh, a lot of the social stuff. I enjoy live tweeting with the games and whatnot. It's good. Uh, good to hear the voices of the people directly. So as John has mentioned multiple times on this pod, he does not have time to scroll through Twitter as much anymore. And you, uh, yeah. as part of your gig, you have to be kind of on top of what the Twitter discourse is. Now, obviously, number six is the number one uh <laughs> Source of uh, consternation, the lightning rod that this season has been. Is there anything that comes close as a number two as far as what the the tweets will be sent to you, the how you guys are approaching going into the playoffs is be prepared to tweet about X. No, I got him. It's really just number six. Yeah, It, it is. And I'll tell you my least favorite discourse behind that. Uh, and, and it probably is at number two and it may not be number three, but it's something that I've spent a lot of time personally addressing is uh, Obi Toppin. Really? Uh, and, okay. And mm. trading him in the off season or, or doing oh, what cool. will you? Uh, I know I don't have to have that conversation with John. Uh, John has <laughs> been on the, on the right, right path with that, which is we've seen enough. Now you just kind of let it ride for the temporary. I, uh, I sung Obi's praises earlier today for uh, a newspaper story that I think is coming out in th- some Dayton newspaper um, this week. Oh, okay. but, yeah. That's, John, is there uh, anything we have to update John on on Twitter? John, are you caught up on the whole Kwame Brown thing? Do you know what's happened with him? Somebody said something about him the on the on a smoking podcast, a podcast. Oh, God, the smoking podcast. Yes. All the smoke with Steven Jackson and Matt oh, Barnes, was the yes, number one basketball podcast in the world. We're the not moment. the number one basketball podcast in the world. We're the number one Knicks podcast in, this in the world. world. Shout out to Pod Strickland. Um, I'm just going to say that this has escalated into like Colin. Are you aware? Are you caught up on all of this? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's so it's it's go, go ahead. Some... Tell the story. Let's update John on this. 
No, Kwame Brown's just shitting on everybody that's ever played in the NBA. That's yes. pretty much that's really? pretty much the summary of it with broad strokes. Yeah. So it started on the most recent episode of All the Smoke that Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson were interviewing Jeannie Buss, and they were talking about the Paul Gasol, the Paul Gasol trade that went sent him from Memphis to the Lakers. And he's and she said we traded Kwame Brown and two first round picks. One of them became Marcus Saul. OK. And Matt Barnes kind of tapped Stephen Jackson on the knee to be like, that was actually a one player trade, right? Just Marcus Saul for Pau Gasol. There wasn't anybody else. basically a shot at Kwame Brown. Then Gilbert Arenas ended up on the pod the next time. And they also took shots at Kwame Brown. And then Kwame Brown woke up on Monday and the discourse um, has become reacting to him going on Instagram live with all the time and smoke in the world and shitting on Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes being oh, light skinned wow. and not actually wanting all the what smoke, was the just one, wanting some of the smoke. He said one thing about Matt Barnes and I'm going to keep it PG 13 rated for the sake of this called podcast. him Becky with the good hair. No, that was good. That's not good enough. Uh, <laughs> it was, he said something Becky like from full house. No, I don't know. From, yeah, who is Becky line, with the good hair? It's the line from uh, Beyonce's Lemonade where Beyonce oh, was saying yes. You, yes. that Jay-Z cheated on her right. with Becky with the good Jay-Z hair. Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce? Wow, you really have not been involved. Why would he in do pop- that? She's beautiful. Jay-Z did. I agree, it, it, hence why he wrote the, uh, he did the album, album 444 where he was apologizing for what he did. He should Beyonce. apologize a lot. He's ugly. Yeah, he does look like Joe Camel if you really squint. Yes, Jay-Z is he's not easy to look at or uh, Troy Aikman. If you look correct, look at it the right way, man, Troy Aikman. Why would you do that to her? Go She's to gorgeous. Google, type in Troy Aikman, Jay-Z, and you will see what I'm talking about. How many of these guys looked. are former Knicks? Matt, obviously, Derek Fisher, former Knicks head coach. Matt yeah. Barnes, Matt Barnes, the the single the single greatest opening night shocker in Knicks history <laughs> starting lineup decisions is when Larry Brown <laughs> decided to start Matt Barnes at small forward, who I, I maybe he had played in the NBA. I'm sure he had played in the NBA before that. And I'm just forgetting it. Um, but uh, it, it was, um, yeah, I, I will never forget that night because we were every, I was excited about that season because like Larry Brown, Larry Brown's awesome. He's just a Hall of Fame coach. We're going to win 50 games this year. And yeah, then- soon to be a cert by Alec Burks, a starting point guard. There you go. Right? Yeah. In game one of the second round. Are you prepared for that tweet? I'm with you, Colin. That's not going to happen. And it's why my Hawks and six prediction has only gotten stronger. Oh, as the week has gone on. Uh, listen, my, me personally, I've been, I was preaching last week that give me the heat because I actually think the Hawks. That's even worse. I, man, I think the heater there for John, the John, you're tying your name to this guy. This is bad PR. I Where's have been your on the record. <laughs> I've been on the record backed by the only reason people want are afraid of the heat is because it's the heat. There's nothing, nothing statistical based on this season. That's those are famous last are words, my friend. Those there's, are famous last words. Listen, Jimmy, if the heat go out and beat the Bucks, I'll say I'm wrong. Hand up. There's, That's Jimmy, on Butler's, me. there's Jimmy Butler's on off court numbers for the entire year and especially over the last like month and change. They're going to spend 50 minutes on Trevor Ariza and Andre Iguodala. I am way more afraid of what the Hawks have from five through nine than what the Heat have. Now it's um, like moot now because the Knicks are playing the Hawks. I just. Well, but the Heat have like in between that five and nine, there's like these little pixie dust of culture and pictures of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in the but hallway. But that's just it. The culture that's won two playoff series in their franchise without Dwayne Wade or a bubble. Can yeah. I give you a random stat? Since, yes, please. Since, since you like talking about um, 
how bad the heat are. Um, man, I really do have a lot of useless fucking information. Um, <laughs> the Knicks this season have uh, faced 22. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong. Yeah, the Knicks this season have faced um, 22 uh, different three-man lineup combinations um, that have played at least – oh, sorry, 24 different three-man lineup combinations that have uh, played at least 50 minutes against them. Um, do you know who the um, lowest offensive rating of those uh, 24 um, – three-man lineup combinations, again, that have played at least 50 minutes against them is. Is it going to be Bam, Jimmy Butler, and no. Hero? Oh, it's, not Jimmy. It's Bam, Hero, and Andre Iguodala um, have a 90.7 offensive rating against the Knicks in 54 minutes against them. Don't ask me why. I know it's that. Colin. My thought with the Heat was I more... thought he was going to contrast that with what the numbers were with Jimmy in place of one of yeah, them. Yeah. Now, was... Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Duncan Robinson, okay. 115.8. Right. Future Nick, did you say that? No. <laughs> Again, Jimmy Butler's really fucking good. Colin, my thought was more like, I believe the Knicks with this newfound rotation where Elf can even play six minutes at the beginning of each half and then Rose takes over the rest of the game. I think that version of the Knicks can beat the Heat and it's more just like first to 100. We're playing in the 90s rather than like those 12 minutes actually do scare me. I don't want the Knicks to be playing from behind against... <laughs> This Hawks team that is just constant offense. If if there's a game that is one team scores under a hundred points in this series, I'd be shocked. That's the thing. The Knicks are gonna have to it's gonna be first to one fifteen every game. And I don't trust the Knicks worth I'm sorry, they're wasting twelve minutes a game trying to get to one fifteen. If the unless there's a major radical lineup change. Yeah. I don't We're know. Gonna, we'll find out soon enough. Um, it's, uh yeah, Miami's Miami. I don't think there doesn't. That's need to it. Be they're the Heat. That that's the that's the comp. That's the well, that's the whole thing. How far has that gotten them, Andrew? How far has that gotten them? Without doing waiter a bubble. Without doing waiter a bubble. How far has it gotten them? Watch when we see them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Then um, I'll hand up that something. <laughs> Colin, um, can you once again just let the folks at home know where they could find you? Yeah, it's uh, at Cologne Loring on Twitter for all the greatest banter that is about absolutely nothing. Uh, to John and Andrew, thank you so much. To John and Jeremy, I would take John Wall over Alfred Payton. And to the rest of Nick's Twitter, let's get this series win. It is Nick's in six. Oh, God, <laughs> prediction. If Can I just enjoyed... jump in real quick, John? Can I jump in? Yeah, please. Because Colin was – this is where I'll help you out with your promotion. Uh, the Twitter spaces that you guys do after every game. Oh, yeah. um, we've been promoting. Obviously, you have your Knicks Film School post game show on YouTube Live. Uh, there's Knicks Fan TV and other post game shows. If you want, they go late into the night where I will be done and edited Too with late. our podcast uh, with with our show, John. And then I'll look on Twitter and the Strickland guys are still talking on Twitter spaces late into the night. So Schwinnie Poo's usually there. St- Stacy Patton is there. So check out the Strickland's Twitter spaces post game discussions uh, over at the Strickland's uh, Twitter page. And if you want even more of this sort of banter, subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter so you can come to the <laughs> halftime Zooms that I do and listen to um, us wax poetic about um, Taj Gibson and uh, mostly Taj Gibson. That's really There it is. 
that's that's all that's all we need to say um everybody i hope you enjoyed uh all of this um episode of the next function podcast we'll be back with you another one um uh I, tomorrow i'm i'm fairly certain that we will five, for five. five for five <laughs> adios 